0: Good morning everyone, my name is Jason Doman, I'm the youth pastor here at Alpine Church uh, and I just want to start out by saying Merica, Merica, you guys ready, Murica. That's I'm so excited for uh, just what we get to celebrate today and, and, and what that means and just the freedoms that we have here in America that we actually get to celebrate that thing even though we may not be able to light fireworks but whatever, we, we're still going to celebrate either way, we'll shoot guns and stuff, It'll it'll be good, it'll all work out. Hey uh, Merca, that's what we do. Hey, uh, before we get into this message here, you know I'm excited. I wanna. Uh, I don't know where did that go. I don't know where it went. He went out somewhere. I'm so excited to work with him, though. So Zach, wherever you are, if you can hear me, uh, Zach, there he is, man. I'm so excited to work with you. I, I'm, I'm grateful for what you're doing with these kids here, and uh, I know it's going to be. I know it's going to be great. So thank you for that. Hey, I just wanted to say one other thing uh, about this car show that's coming up. The the, the taco truck that's going to be there from, from Ensenada. This is really cool because we're we're actually going on a mission trip to Mexico in December, and it's to that church in Mexico. So uh, if you could get down to the car show and, and support them, that would be awesome. We're excited to get down there in Mexico and uh, and help them out. So if, if you do have kids, uh, 7th through 12th grade, that mission trip is going to be open to them. They are going to need a passport. So just keep that in mind. If you, if you have kids... Start that now, okay? They will need a passport, and that, like everything else in this country, is back ordered. So, uh, get your passports lined up if your kids want to go with us to Mexico. Uh, you know, this, this this Galatians series has been uh, it's been so good uh, for me. Galatians was was huge in, in my walk with, walk uh, with in, walk in faith, my walk with Jesus. Uh, I know for a lot of people here in Utah, this is um, a big deal, and so this I was really excited when we decided to do. This series, Uh, you know, I, this whole book has been about one thing, and it's that there's one gospel, right? This entire book of Galatians is about one thing, it's that there is one gospel, one message of, of ultimate good news for humanity. Right, and Paul, he, he spends this time in Galatia, and he introduces them to Jesus, right? He plants these churches, and then he leaves, and these other people come in. These people are called the Judaizers, right? They come in, and they have kind of this, this different idea, a different version of the truth, and, and, and so what they're saying is that, hey, yeah, you have to believe in Jesus, but here's this other stuff that you have to do too, right? We, we, you also have to keep the Old Testament Jewish law, and, and listen, for those of you who don't know my story, uh, I grew up here in Utah, born and raised here in Utah. I grew up in uh, a, a different religion that I, I think the Judaizers would have uh, approved of, right? And And so I, I was definitely taught to believe in Jesus. I was taught to believe in Jesus. In fact, my the church that I went to had Jesus Christ on the building. right? so I was I was taught to believe in Jesus, but oh boy, was there a lot of pluses. There was a lot of of pluses. Yeah, Jesus died for your sins, but here's this this checklist of things that you need to do to make up for what Jesus didn't do. That was crazy to me. You need to make up for the things that that Jesus didn't do. And I I had read Galatians before. I had read Paul's warning in Galatians 1.8. He says, even if we or an angel from heaven teach you a different gospel, let them be accursed. I had read that before, and it just went over my head. Right, and I read it now, and I'm like, well, that's oddly specific. For 30 years of my life, I believed in a gospel that was brought by an angel. <laughs> and so it was crazy to me that I just, I just glanced over that. But Paul says, even if, even if we, Paul says, even if I come back and give you a different gospel, don't believe it. I'm lying. If I come back and tell you something different, don't buy into it. Stick to the first thing we told you, because that is what comes from Jesus. Paul wrote this letter to the churches there to warn them not to abandon what he had originally taught them because the Judaizers were coming in and teaching something different. So make sure these slides are working. All right, so here we go. Here's here's kind of the, the breakdown, the summary of the, the Judaizers versus Paul, right? Paul's message can be boiled down to just, just one thing. It's Jesus plus nothing. Salvation equals Jesus plus nothing. If I would have been smart and planned ahead, I would have worn my Jesus plus nothing shirt, but sinners are also welcome. So that's where we're at. So we start a relationship with God by trusting Jesus, period. That's it. There's nothing else. Jesus did everything for us when he went to the cross and died for our sins and when he rose from the dead. There's nothing else that you and I can add to that. Nothing of value that you and I can add to what Jesus has already done. Now, the Judaizers came in and they're saying, no, no, no. Salvation is Jesus plus works. Salvation is Jesus Plus works. There's, there's some other things you have to do. You need to keep all of these Old Testament religious laws that God gave to the Jews. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That's, that's not, you, you can't contribute to your own salvation. Not, not at all. Not even a little bit. And so last week we went back. We looked at, at Genesis chapter 12 where uh, we see the original promise that, that God gave to Abraham that he was going to make a great nation out of him. And it wasn't about Abraham being worthy God didn't make this promise to him because Abraham had fulfilled his duties or fulfilled some covenants that that he had made, right? God made this covenant, made this promise with him because of faith. Okay, we see how this this promise was given to Abraham through faith. That promise came long before the Old Testament law was even a thing, okay? So it wasn't about Abraham following the the laws and the rules. And, And then we saw how the promise was ultimately fulfilled in and through Jesus Christ, so we come here to, to chapter four in Galatians, and, and Paul's going gonna to come back to Abraham to kind of to wrap up his argument. So this is where we've been, and as you can see, no, let's not go. There we go. All right, so as you can see, week four, we've called this series Labor Pains, or today's sermon is Labor Pains. Moms, I know for you that strikes up a whole different conversation, but that's not where we're going with this. We get this from something that Paul says in Galatians chapter four, verse 19. He says this, he says, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. See, for Paul, this isn't just some just abstract debate that, that, that he's going off for, for these guys. Paul is, uh, is invested in these people. Okay, Paul has been there. He has spent time with them. He's personally and emotionally involved. These people are, are Paul's spiritual children, he led them to Christ, and so he's deeply invested in these decisions that they're making about truth, about their faith. And really, this verse sets the, the whole tone for, for all of chapter 4, and it's not just because it reveals Paul's concern for them, but it also shows us this kind of, uh, this theme for the whole chapter. See, Paul uses this word picture for, for parents and children. Right, Paul uses this word picture for, for, pa- for parents and children. He points out that, that these, we are children of God. We are children of God. We've been adopted into God's family. We've been made into heirs through Jesus Christ. And then he's going to close with this story from Abraham's life about parents and children just to really drive home the, the underlying issue that he's talking about. So our study today of chapter 4, it actually begins at the end of, of chapter 3. It's because the law was like a babysitter. Okay, the law is like a babysitter waiting for the parents to get home. And now that Jesus, or the parent, is home, the law, or the sitter's job, is done. Now that the parents are home, the babysitter's job is done. See, Paul's kind of doing this, this deep dive thing into the Old Testament because his opponents were using the Old Testament to try to make their point. Right? Paul was a little bit of an expert in the Old Testament, even, even before he was a Christian, but after he met Jesus, it took on a whole new meaning. His expertise, his, his knowledge of the Old Testament was brought into a completely different light. And that's a great lesson for us. That's a great lesson for us because Jesus gives us a new lens to understand that part of the Bible. Jesus gives us a new lens to understand the Old Testament. Jesus helps us to discern the meaning and the purpose of the Old Testament. So if we look here Galatians 2, chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. We no longer need the law as our guardian. Now when we talk about the law, we're talking about the the law that was given to Moses. Okay, we're talking about the the covenant that God made with with Moses, all the rules, all the regulations that were given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. Okay, that's when we talk about the law, that's what we're referring to. And the law, it really just spelled out how God's chosen people would, would live. Okay, and the law is basically divided into three parts. We have the, the civil part, okay, which just really governed how society would function in the land. Okay, we have the ceremonial part, which, which governed all the, the rituals that were involved in approaching God. Okay, all, the, all the, the festivals, the animal sacrifices, the, the feasts, all of those things, all those things pointed towards Jesus. And then all of those things were fulfilled in Jesus. And then finally we have the, the moral aspect of the law, which was really just the, the principles about our individual lifestyle, right? The, the do's and, and the don'ts that govern how you live day in and day out. And those things were meant for us to be a reflection of God's holiness. Now the Bible says that the law is good. Okay, it's good because it shows us the character and the perfection of God. The law is good because it, it points us towards Jesus. The law is good because it actually shows us our sin. That was the point of the law; it showed us our sin, and and really it showed us our helplessness. It showed us that there is no way that we could do this on our own. But don't forget that the law; it was given to us by God. It was His idea. The problem is people didn't understand its, its, its overall role in salvation. The, 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 the Old Testament law was never intended by God to be a way to make ourselves right with God. The Old Testament law was never meant to be a way to salvation. It was about how people who already belonged to him would live. It was about people who had already given their lives to Christ. That's how they were to live. It wasn't about us be getting right with God. And the Old Testament law, it only applied to the time between Moses and Jesus. That's it. The Old Testament law applied to the time between Moses and Jesus. So here in in chapter 3, Paul uses this this illustration of of guardians. Back then, people would often hire governesses or or, or tutors to train up their kids. It was just a temporary role. Once the kid was grown, they no longer needed uh, uh, somebody to watch over them. Or once they had learned the skill that the tutor was teaching them, their job was done. Okay, and so a more modern day example of that would be a babysitter, right? Parents, when we leave, we, we hire a babysitter, they come in, they provide, they protect, they, they do whatever they need to do for our children. And then when we get home, they're done. Their job's over, they go home. Just like that, the, the law was good because it prepared, it protected, and it, and it provided for God's people until their Messiah showed up, until the Savior showed up. But now Jesus has appeared. He's fulfilled the Old Testament law. So in other words, it's all about trusting what God promises us and what Jesus has already done for us. It's about what Jesus has already done. Verse 25 says, we no longer need the law as our guardian. The law's done. The law's been fulfilled. We no longer need the law as our guardian. Galatians 4, 5, and 6. God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us Who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. So here we see this parent-child metaphor again, only with a little bit of a twist. See, we're not all natural children of God. Okay, we're not all natural children of God. All the time we hear people say that, oh, we're all God's children. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. The picture here is that we are all slaves to the law until Jesus buys our freedom. We're slaves to the law until Jesus buys our freedom. And then at that time, God adopts us as his children. And then at that time, God sends his Holy Spirit to live in in our hearts to seal that relationship. And the Holy Spirit is huge here in Galatians and in our Christian life, okay? And so that, that, that's what we're gonna focus on next week is, is God's children, the, the Holy Spirit does in us what no religion, okay, what no religious law could ever do. And so we'll hit that next week. So I hope you guys will be here next week for that. But let me, let me summarize here before we move on, okay? So God, he never gave the law as a means of salvation. That was never the, the point of the law. It was a temporary way to express how the people who belong to God should live their lives, That's that's all the law was. But now what governs a person's relationship with God is faith. It's faith. It's trust in what Jesus did. And and to drive that home, Paul's going to return to this this story of Abraham at at the end of chapter 4. So here's what we get out of this. The, The Judaizers were really, they were like Abraham and Hagar, okay? They were trying to work for the things that God had already promise them this this section begins in in verse 21 and, and paul asks the the people in galatia he says do you really want to be under the law do you really want to be under the law are you sure because if, if you think that's what you want let me let me remind you about what happened in the old testament paul goes to verse 22 and he says abraham had two sons right he had the older son ishmael who, who was born to to his to abraham's wife's servant to hagar and then he had the younger son, Isaac, who was born to, to Sarah, to, to Abraham's wife. And these two sons, they take on a huge symbolic meaning. Okay? For back then, and, and especially for us today, they take on this huge meaning. The older son, Ishmael, he, he was, uh, the, sorry, the, the circumstances of their birth is so different. And that, that's why they take on this symbolic meaning. Right? Two major nations, two major religions have, have come from these two sons. So they're, they're, they're huge in our world. Now, one represents trying to keep the law. The other one represents trusting in God's promise. So let's review that story in Genesis 12. God, he, he made the, this promise to Abraham, you'll be a father of a great nation, right? The only catch was Abraham had no kids. Abraham had no kids. Him and his wife, they kept getting older and older and older and still no kids, So they have this this promise from God, and, and obviously there's no way that that promise can ever be fulfilled. So here's what they do. Galatians 16, 1 and 2, it says, Now Sarai, who's another name for Sarah, Abram's wife, Abraham, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant, and perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. First of all, husbands, don't do this. Don't do this. It's never okay. Okay, that's the same thing as like, what's wrong? Nothing. Okay, don't do this. Now, this is their solution to the the problem of of no kids. Sarah offers her, her servant girl to her husband as a surrogate mother. Right, so Abraham fathers a child with it with her. They 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 name him Ishmael, thinking that the Ishmael would be the fulfillment of God's promise. Right? So here's where the New Testament comes in. This is how we, we use the New Testament to, to give us a new lens. Jesus gives us a new lens back into the Old Testament. This is how the New Testament views what they did. It says the son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. A human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of of God's promise Paul says Ishmael is a symbol of trying to work it out for yourself okay it wasn't a good idea what they had this didn't reflect faith this didn't reflect reflect trust in God they didn't believe that God was going to come through for them and so they made their own plan and it depended on their own ability to make it happen and then they just kind of fit God into that plan right how often do we do that how often do we, we come up with what we want and then we, we kind of fit God into that to make it feel like God is wanting us to do something? For us today, the, the issue isn't just about obeying Old Testament law, okay? But that was, that was so important in the original context of Galatians because there were so many Jewish converts at the time. But very few people today are saying like, yeah, no, to be a true Christian, you need to obey the law of Moses. Okay, very few people are, are saying that today. But the underlying principle applies to any religious law, that there's something else we have to do, that there's something else we have to follow, something else we have to listen to, to obey. Okay, the underlying principle applies to any form of religious law, any human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. Verse 24 says that Hagar and Sarah represent two covenants. Okay, and a covenant is just a formal relationship between two parties. So these, these two women, they stand for, for two different approaches to a relationship with God. Okay, two different approaches to a relationship with God. So really, Hagar, she represents this, this old covenant, right? So a, p- a picture of, of human-centered religion. So that's what the Old Testament law had become for these Judaizers, because for them, it wasn't just about what Jesus did. It was about what, what us as humans also have to do. Like God would do his part, and then we would do our part. And maybe for some of you, like, this sounds crazy. Like, what what are they talking about? This sounds crazy. But the reality is there's over 2 million people in Utah right now that would love to tell you about this kind of religion. Okay, and this, for me, you guys, this this breaks my heart because I talk to students all the time about this. Okay, parents, your, your kids are curious about what their friends at school believe. Okay, and your kids are one conversation away from saying, that sounds pretty close to what I believe. It's nothing like we believe, okay? So if you, if you don't know what the, the predominant religion here in Utah, if you don't know what, what they teach, please come talk to me. I spent 30 years of my life in it, okay? Talk to somebody. Know the difference between what we believe, what the Bible says about who Jesus is and who God is and about what they believe. Because our kids, one conversation away, one cute girl away, one cute boy away from buying in to something that's going to pull them away from Jesus, All the time I have these conversations at Fusion with our youth. So parents, be ready for that conversation. Grandparents, be ready for that conversation. This is a big deal. And Paul, he he says that this approach, it only leads to bondage. It leads to slavery to the law. You become a slave to keeping all of the required rules and checking off the boxes and making sure that you are worthy, (laughs) worthy (laughs) of God. But that's not what it's about. God has a different approach in mind. See, true believers are like Abraham and Sarah. They trust in God to keep his promise. So if we go back to this this story in Genesis at this time, Ishmael is about 13 years old, and God speaks to Abraham and Sarah again. He sends an angel to speak to them, and he, he says this. He says, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah is really, really old at this point, okay? And Abraham's even older. So this is crazy to them. And and you have to be, Abraham has to be thinking, I already have a son. I already have a son. We already have a way to fulfill this promise. But the angel shows up and says, no, now it's time for God to fulfill his promise. You guys did your thing. You tried your way to solve the problem. But now God is going to work in your life. See, ultimately, this is why God chose Abraham and Sarah. God knew that Sarah couldn't have kids. So when he chose Sarah to do this, he was saying, this promise is going to be fulfilled by me. There's nothing that you can do to help me with this. This promise is only going to come to pass by my power and my will. God doesn't need our help to fulfill his promises. God doesn't need our help to do his will here on earth. But God uses us. And when we allow God to use us, God can do amazing things through us. Like give us children at almost 100 years of age. Now later in the chapter, God says, it says, For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Now this is a repeat of the promise that God made earlier, but I, I want you to notice how verse 19 ends. It says, then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. God is going to do for Abraham what God had promised. He doesn't say, I'll do my part and then my buddy Abe over here, he'll do his part and this will be teamwork, we'll do this together. That's not what he says. God doesn't need us to fulfill his promises. He says, I'm going to do it and that's why Paul goes back to this story about Abraham to establish this basic point that he's trying to make to the church in Galatians, it's about faith. It's about faith, it's not about the law. It's Jesus plus nothing, not Jesus plus works. It's Jesus plus nothing. Now, Paul makes this really clear uh, in the book of Romans. He says this. He says, clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary, and the promise is pointless. See, God's promise to, to Abraham was based on faith, not obedience. It wasn't about Abraham's obedience, okay? And the same applies for our salvation. When we trust in the, in the work that Jesus has already done for us on the cross, there's nothing more that we can do. There's nothing more we, we, we have to do. So let's bring this, this, let's bring this background back into Galatians. So remember it said that the, the son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise, but the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment to his promise. See, if the Judaizers are like Hagar, then those who trust in Christ alone are like Abraham and Sarah. Sarah represents a, a new covenant, a, a better approach to God. Okay? She, she represents a relationship with God that's not based on, on human accomplishment. It's not about our performance. It's about God's promise. It's not about our merit. It's about God's miracle. See, if, 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 if you're a Christian, you're like Isaac. You are a child of promise. You'll inherit all that God has for you through Jesus. To put it a different way, it's the, it's the difference between do and done. See, the Judaizers and, and every other modern religion They say, do, 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 do this, do that, check this box and make sure that you are worthy. But Christianity says something different. It says that Christ, the God came to us and did everything for us. It's done. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. We don't have to do anything else. It's done. Jesus did the work for us. Let me close with this. You know, there, there, there is one thing that the Judaizers and, and, and Paul had in common, and that was that they both recognized that humanity has a problem. Okay, humanity has a problem. We are broken, and our problem is sin. Our problem is sin. We don't live up to God's standards, and sin is just this really churchy word, right? But all it means is when we go our own way instead of God's way. We know what what God would want us to do. We know how God would want us to to choose. And we say, you know what? I'm going to go this way instead. That's all sin is. It's simple, but it's devastating. Sin destroys our relationship with God. So the huge difference between Judaizers and, 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 and the modern churches today versus what Paul, the big difference is the solution. The solution is everything. See, religion declares that we can overcome sin by our good works. If we do enough good deeds, we can make up for our sin. That's what religion teaches us. But the Bible shows us why that's impossible. Ephesians 2 says we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. What can dead people do? Be dead. Dead people can do nothing. Dead people can do nothing. Dead people can't make themselves alive again. Not physically, not spiritually. Romans 3 says that no one seeks God, no one is righteous. On our own, every single one of us has turned away from God. Every single one of us. This applies to religious people, to the non-religious people. Isaiah 64 says all of our righteous deeds are like filthy, stinking rags to God. You think God's impressed by your good deeds? The Bible says they make him puke. Our good deeds don't mean anything to God. But God loves you. God loves you. And so we did something about it. God provided the solution. He sent his son to die for us, to pay for all of our sins. All that's left for you and I is to trust in that promise, to trust in what God says. Trust Jesus to make us right with God, to forgive our sins. And I, want to, I want to invite you to, to do that today. You can express your, your faith. You can, you can trust in God by talking to him. It's what we call prayer. So I invite you to tell God where you're at today. Tell God you're, you're ready to stop working for it. And you're ready just to start trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Maybe this whole prayer thing, maybe it's new to you. Maybe maybe it's not really your jam. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest some words. That you can pray and, and just understand, like this isn't there's no secret formula here, okay? This isn't about saying the right words in the right order at the right time. There, there, there's nothing like that. This is all about understanding that Jesus did something for you, that God has a promise for you. And you this is your a response to God's promise. So I want to help you express your heart towards God in that way. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pray and just take my words and and and, and make them your own. <laughs> and if that's where you're at, just just let God know today that you're ready to start trusting him let's pray together God I recognize that I can't impress you with my good works God I know you're not impressed by my my good works I'm a I'm a sinner God I'm broken and I need what only you offer I need what only you can do God I'm ready to turn from my self-sufficient and and my self directive life to follow you So God, thank you for sending your son to the cross to pay for my sins. God, I recognize that that's something that only your son could do. I recognize that I could never do that on my own, God. And so I place my trust, all of my trust in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. God, I pray for your forgiveness. God, you promised to be just and faithful to forgive us, God, so we receive that, we accept that. God, thank you for the free gift of faith, or of grace, of forgiveness, of salvation. And God, I pray that you would let that change my life. God, I pray I would live a life that honors you, God. Every day, I pray that I would honor you. I pray that I would love others like I'm called to do. Thank you, Jesus what you've done for me, for who you are. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.